Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. We hope you had a wonderful Reformation Day, and I'm sure we're all looking forward to the holidays ahead. You know, one of those upcoming holidays is Thanksgiving, and we are so thankful for all of our faithful listeners. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in each week, for for sharing our episodes around on social media, and for recommending us when your friends are looking for something good and godly to listen to. We appreciate that. Mm -hmm. We're also very thankful for those of you who donate through our our PayPal and Patreon accounts. And this week, we want to say a special thank you to Kristen for her gift through PayPal. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks, Kristen. And finally, a big thank you to all of you who leave positive reviews at your favorite podcast platforms. This really helps us, you know, to get the word out about the show and and it gets a doctrinally sound resource into the earbuds of Christians more easily. So here are a couple of reviews that we've received recently. This one uh, is from the handle is classical MG all the way from Norway. Oh, um, right. This person left us a five star rating and said a show greatly prepared, deeply grounded in scripture. I enjoyed this a lot. Aww. Well, thank you so much. And then Kome listens. I hope I'm saying that right. Kome Kome listens in Jamaica and also Jamaica. left us a five star rating. Kome says this podcast has been a major blessing. I have learned so much. So thank you, ladies or gentlemen, if you happen to be gentlemen. Well, thank you. And don't forget, if you have a favorite podcast platform yet where you can leave a review or you'd like to donate via PayPal or Patreon, you can find all that information and, and links for all of that at our website, a wordfitlyspoken.life. And uh, by the way, both Michelle and I would love to come and speak at your women's conference re- or retreat, maybe, or maybe you've got a Bible study weekend where you're gathering the ladies. Uh, just write to us. Our, our contact information is right on our website. All right, now let's jump into tonight's topic. This is a favorite of mine. Um, Michelle, recently we asked our Instagram followers what topic they'd like to hear us discuss, and uh, several of you said you wanted to know about extra biblical revelation and the sufficiency of scripture. So if you've ever thought God was talking to you in your mind, or maybe a friend has said, God told me such and such, or God showed me something in a dream or a vision, does God speak to people audibly today like he spoke to Moses and the prophets and a few others in scripture? Well, all those ways that people think God is speaking to them are called extra biblical revelation. That's what that means. Uh, Things that God is supposedly revealing to them outside of the pages of the Bible. But God himself tells us in the Bible that he communicates with Christians through his sufficient written word. He sure does, Amy. And and look, I know that if you're used to the mindset that God speaks directly or audibly to people today, it might sound a little scary to hear us say that he doesn't. I mean, maybe you feel like God speaks to you all the time. And, and if we take that away from you, how are you going to know what to do when you need to make decisions in your life? But I promise you what the Bible says about the way God communicates is much better and much sure and much more trustworthy than the idea that God is talking to you. So hang in there with us until the end. And if you're a little nervous about relying solely on scripture to to guide you, maybe hit pause right now and take a minute and pray that God will open your eyes to the truth about what his word says on this subject. 
Humbling ourselves and asking God to help us believe his written word is just the kind of prayer that he likes to answer. He sure does, Michelle. And one of the first things it might help you to know is that the sufficiency of Scripture has always been the historic biblical position of the church. We see it really clearly in the New Testament as well as in our own church history. Now, remember the five solas of the Protestant Reformation? We talked about that last week in the podcast. They're the five basic biblical principles the church is built on. Let's go over them. It's sola fide, which is salvation through faith alone and not works. Sola gratia, uh, that's salvation by grace alone, not our own merit. Solus Christus, which is salvation in Christ alone. And soli deo gloria, all glory of God alone. And finally, sola scriptura, that's Christian doctrine, beliefs, and practices are all to be built on and guided by the authority of Scripture alone, sola scriptura. Uh, We don't create Christian doctrine out of our own imaginations, and we don't put into practice uh, any of the uh, church man-made doctrines that are really nowhere to be found in Scripture or that are based on some out-of-context or mishandled Scripture. Everything that we believe and teach and practice as Christians in the church and as individuals is to be based on rightly handled scripture. That's sola scriptura. Now, most Christians would probably say they believe that. But we have an enemy of our souls, don't we, ladies? Satan has been slowly and sneakily chipping away at the doctrine of sola scriptura over the years. And you know what? There are a lot of ways it has crept into our own beliefs and into our churches that we probably don't even realize. Amy, that's so true. You know, just to give an example, this is an example that I give whenever I'm I'm teaching on this subject. Uh, it's a real life example. A while back, I had an exchange with someone on Twitter, and I, I think I had said something about staying away from people who teach extra biblical revelation. And she she was kind of confused by that term. So she said, does that mean God talking to us outside the Bible? And I said, yes. And I gave her uh, the two Bible passages that my statement was based on. We're going to go over those in a little bit. And her response to my answer was, she seemed like a perfectly godly woman, Bible-believing Christian, you know, the type of lady who might even be listening Mm -hmm. to us today. And her response to what I said was, oh, well, I still believe God talks to us today because yada, yada, yada. And she went on for a sentence or two about an experience that she had had, you know, just very being very Mm -hmm. polite, not being ugly. Um, In fact, her response was so casual and so matter of fact that it took me a few minutes to grasp something. I had presented clear scripture to this lady on a question of doctrine, and she had brushed off God's word in favor of her own opinion and experiences. She didn't realize that she was doing that, you know, and in that first moment, it didn't even dawn on me that she was doing that. That is how subtle the erosion of sola scriptura is, and it's going on in churches and Christians everywhere, and it has been for years. We can hear it even in the way that Christians talk. I mean, how many times have you heard someone you know is a Christian uh, telling a story about something that happened to her, and, you know, little phrases like, uh, you know, I just felt like God was saying, or I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to do thus and so. Even people who, if you ask them if they believed God speaks to people today and they would say no, 
they, they've had that kind of language seep into their vocabulary. I mean, I'm sure I've even said something like that a time or two. Yeah, me too. Even when we firmly believe in sola scriptura and the sufficiency of scripture, these unbiblical words and ideas can weasel their way in. Yeah, they really can. So let's talk about what we mean by the term the sufficiency of Scripture. And uh, I like I always like to start with what the term doesn't mean. So Scripture is sufficient doesn't mean that the only thing you need in life as a Christian is your Bible. It doesn't mean you don't need a pastor or Bible teachers to teach you or that you should never read a good book, you know, a doctrinally sound good good book. It doesn't mean you shouldn't sing hymns and worship songs or pray, and it surely doesn't mean that you don't need the church. What it does mean is that God has put everything he wants you to know and everything you need to know about him and about your Christian life in the Bible. If you want to get to know God, you don't talk to him and expect him to talk back to you. You pick up your Bible and you read it. If you want to know what God wants you to do with your life, you don't look for miraculous signs. You study your Bible, you pray. Scripture is sufficient to teach us everything we need to know about God and about living a godly life. So let's look at what the Bible says about this. And uh, we're going to go to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. I I bring this verse up all the time uh, when I'm uh, speaking to women uh, out there. And so it says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So if you examine that verse a little more closely, all scripture is breathed out by God. Well, God is the author of scripture. So when you open your Bible and read it, you're not reading fairy tales and rules made up by men. You're reading the thoughts and words of God himself. Isn't that cool? I just love that. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Well, there are lots of ways God's word can be helpful and useful for this. You can use it to teach and uh, when needed to reprimand, to correct what's wrong, and of course, to train in what's right. The man or woman of God may be complete and equipped. Let's talk about that. Complete in this sense means mature, lacking nothing, finding everything we need in God's word. Equipped means that we're trained, we're ready, we're prepared by God's word. And then for every good work, well, this is what scripture trains and corrects us for. All the good works that God has called us to do, good works like being a godly wife and mother, uh, serving in our churches, sharing the gospel, and so forth. Yeah, thanks for unpacking that for us, Amy. You know, we we practically use 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 and the sufficiency of scripture as interchangeable terms, but it really it really helps to slow down and carefully examine everything that passage is telling us. Scripture really is enough for our every need. But this idea of extra biblical revelation that's so popular in evangelicalism undermines the biblical doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture and teaches us that the Bible is not enough, that we need God to speak to us more than he has already spoken to us in his word. Unfortunately, one of the best-selling books for Christian women today is based on that idea. Most of our listeners have probably heard of Sarah Young and her devotional book, Jesus Calling. 
In the introduction to the book, Sarah describes her fascination with the 1935 book entitled God Calling. Now, this book, God Calling, was written by two women who called themselves listeners. And basically, right. yeah, yeah, what that meant is that they practiced automatic writing, which is occultic. It's basically emptying the mind, opening yourself up to the spiritual realm, and writing down any messages you receive. In the occult, in the new age, you supposedly get messages from, you know, the spirit Fred or that spirit Bob or maybe an angel or something like that. But in the Christianized version of this divination is really what it is. The right. messages are ostensibly from God. Sarah Young liked the idea of receiving messages directly from God. And she said in her book, she said this, quote, I began to wonder if I could receive messages during my times of communing with God. I had been writing in prayer journals for years, but that was one-way communication. I did all the talking. I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible, but she should have just put a period after through the Bible. I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible, but I yearned for more. You know, it's too bad she didn't actually read the Bible, because if she had, she would have read 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, just like we just did. You know, the part where God communicates to us that his word is sufficient, but that wasn't yes. good enough for her. She rejected the clear teaching of scripture in favor of her own feelings and desires. And she proceeded to write this book, Jesus Calling, in which she blasphemously puts words in the mouth of Christ and writes as though he is speaking speaking in the first person through her. You know, I tell you this, I want you to know that. Essentially, she's channeling Jesus like a medium or a psychic might do. Yeah, and Michelle, I actually, somebody gave me um, an original 2009 copy of Jesus Calling, and uh, that's where she had the part in there about God calling, about the two ladies, the two New Agers who wrote that, and uh, so I've got that copy, but in 2013, Thomas Nelson Publishing whitewashed all of that, took that completely right. out so that you don't realize if you pick up Jesus Calling that this is where the idea came from, and uh, and so it's really sad, and, and uh, it, it and it's so blasphemous. But you know, Sarah Young isn't the only one. Uh, you can shop at any store or website that carries Christian books, especially the books for Christian women. There's quite a lot of marketing going on to us. And you're going to find dozens of celebrity pastors and teachers who say that God speaks to them on a regular basis and that you should be hearing him speak to you too. And so many people's sh uh, faiths get completely shipwrecked, Michelle, when, when they get into this teaching and they don't hear God speaking to them. But really the truth is extra biblical revelation is not only unbiblical, we don't need it. And the first reason for this is that extra biblical revelation is not the method God wants us to use to communicate with us. Uh, I mean, it would be a lot easier if God would just talk to us and tell us what he wants to do every day. You know, buy this minivan, not the sports car. Uh, go to the University of Wisconsin, not LSU. Actually, don't even go to the University of Wisconsin, please, uh, if you want to keep your faith intact. Um, Mary Tom, not Fred. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. God doesn't do that. That's not the way God has chosen to communicate with us. And God is in charge, so he gets to make the rules. And so whatever his good, perfect, and holy reasons are, God chooses to communicate with Christians through his written word. 
Right. And that's not just our opinion. That's what scripture says. We've gone through 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Now let's take a look at Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Okay. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So again, let's slow down and take a closer look at this passage and what it's saying to us. All right, let's start with long ago at many times and in many ways, burning bushes, wet and dry fleeces, talking donkeys, handwriting on the wall, speaking directly to prophets. Long ago, this verse says, that's how God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And why did God have to speak directly to the prophets to communicate with his people? Because they did not have his written word yet. What God said to Moses, Isaiah, Elijah, Jeremiah, all of the prophets became God's written word. And because of that, we now have his written word. So long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse two, but now that word right there, but that is crucial to what God is trying to convey to us in this verse. Long ago, God spoke this way, but now he's going to speak a different way. That's what that word, but means right there. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So in context, the main thrust of what he's saying here is that before God spoke to us through created things, people, animal, objects, animals and objects. But now the fullness of time has come and God has appeared and he has spoken to us face to face through Jesus, the creator of all those created things. But don't miss the secondary point in this passage. Because Jesus has come and spoken with us, the days of God speaking to us through created things, which includes our own senses and imaginations, those days are over. Well, let's also take a look at 2 Peter 1, uh, verses 17 through 21. And this is Peter speaking about Jesus. So starting in 17, when he, Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter is talking about the transfiguration. Uh, Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and Jesus, Moses, and Elijah appeared in their glorified state. Uh, you can read about that in Luke 9 if you want to brush up on the details. It's really cool. But in our second Peter passage, Peter is saying, I was on the mountain during the transfiguration. I was a firsthand eyewitness. And then verse 19 says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. So the first part of verse 19 here is saying that God's written word is more fully confirmed, more trustworthy than what Peter saw with his own two eyes. And let's read on. 
to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit so peter saw this miraculous thing happen and yet the holy spirit inspires him to point people back to scripture not his own personal experience and let's remember all scripture is breathed out by god so these verses are god speaking to us and god himself is telling us in these verses that scripture is enough to make us complete and mature and to equip us for everything he has for us to do yeah, and Peter's kind of stuck on this idea of sola scriptura in Second Peter 1. Amy, you just read Second Peter 1, 17 through 21. I'm going to back us up a little bit in that same chapter to verses 3 and 4. It's the same idea, but a little more convoluted here. So like verse 19 said, you will do well to pay attention. In fact, you might find this a little easier to grasp if you get out your Bible or open your Bible app and follow along. Um, I'm reading from the New New American Standard on this one because I think it's just a bit clearer than the ESV. So this is going to be 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4a. For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Okay. God has given us everything we need that pertains to life and everything that we need that pertains to godliness. How? By speaking out loud to us? No, look what it says there. He's given us these things through, via, by means of, through the true knowledge of him who called us. You get everything you need to know for life and godliness by truly knowing Christ. And what is the only way to truly know Christ? Well, through his word, just like Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, so for his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, these what? Through these, these means his own glory and excellence. That's what that's referring back to right there at the end of verse three. Okay, so through his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Where do we find all of God's precious and magnificent promises? In the Bible, right? Okay, next phrase. So that by them, them what? Well, God's promises that are found in the Bible, like we just said. By God's promises found in the Bible, you may become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and forms your nature after the nature of Christ. So if I could just state the main point of this verse just a little more simply, it would be this. By knowing God and his promises through his word, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Now, we've just gone through three passages of God telling us that his written word is sufficient for us, that his written word is how he has chosen to speak to us, and that his written word is where he wants our focus to be. 
Hear me, listeners, in light of all of that, when we insist on, quote unquote, hearing God speak outside of scripture, we're essentially saying, God, I reject your way and I demand that you do things my way instead. So really let that sink in. Is that something any Christian should be saying to God? No, that's that's an attitude that's characteristic of unbelievers. Yeah, and another reason extra-biblical revelation is both unbiblical and unnecessary is this. And I have to ask myself this from way back when. What makes you so sure it's God who's speaking to you? You know, this is that this is a question that we should automatically go to because just because you have a feeling or an urge or an intense experience doesn't mean that was God speaking to you. you know, maybe it was Satan tempting you or an old memory resurfacing. Uh, maybe it was your own fleshly desires. How can you know objectively, not based on your own feelings, that uh, the intensity of the experience or any other subjective measure, how can you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was actually God speaking to you? And if you can't know for sure it was God, why would you want to put your trust in whatever he supposedly said to you? So um, good, good questions to ask yourself. And we all have experiences. So don't think we don't. It's just that it probably isn't God. <laughs> because as as Christians, we can irrefutably know that God is speaking to us when we read his word, because we know he is the author of scripture. And you can't know for sure where those voices in your head are coming from, right? So uh, let me just move on to our next reason that we don't need God to speak to us because extra biblical revelation is redundant and unnecessary. You know, most prof professing Christians who believe God still speaks to people will tell you that they believe God will never say anything verbally that contradicts his written word. That I've heard that all the time. So why not just bypass the whole God spoke to me thing and go right to the Bible? Then you, then you know for sure. I, I love how the great Puritan John Owen put it. He said, if private revelations agree with scripture, they are needless. And if they disagree, they are false. In other words, if scripture already says what God supposedly spoke to you, then what was the point of God speaking to you if scripture already said it? I mean, why couldn't you just read it in the Bible? And what if God supposedly spoke to you and it disagrees with scripture? Um, you know what? but you shouldn't be listening to it anyway. Either way, you don't need God to speak to you. As God himself has told us in his written word, the Bible is sufficient instruction for every situation in our own lives. That's right, Amy. You know, our problem is not that God doesn't speak to us today. The problem is that he has already spoken and we dare to stand in his face and say, that's not good enough for me. I want more. And we really need to think long and hard about yeah. that. That is not a Christ-like attitude. And you know what else isn't a Christ-like attitude? When we insist on extra biblical revelation, we're revealing that we don't really trust God or the way he chooses to do things. A lot of times the reason that people want extra biblical revelation is that they want they want God to tell them exactly what to do in a certain situation or exactly what decision to make when they need to make a decision. But God basically says, you know, that's not how I do things. You need to do things my way and trust me. You need to make a decision. You need to know what to do. Here's what you do. 
James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And where do we get wisdom to handle the situations and decisions of life? Not from a voice from heaven saying, do this or do that, but from God speaking to us through scripture. Listen to these two verses from Psalm 119, first verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And then verse 169 says this, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. We don't need God to tell us what decision to make. We want him to because that's easier than doing the hard work of digging into scripture, studying the biblical principles that apply to our situation, making the best and most godly decision we can, and then trusting God for the outcome. But that's exactly what God wants us to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. When we honor and trust God by looking to his written word for the Holy Spirit's guidance, he has promised to give us wisdom to make godly decisions and and he's promised to make our paths straight. But, you know, whenever I teach this biblical method of decision making and that extra biblical revelation is unnecessary and unbiblical, guess what question immediately arises? <laughs> what about being led by the Holy Spirit? Well, it's an understandable question, mm-hmm. but evangelicals often draw this distinction between being led by the Holy Spirit and studying the scriptures he breathed out as though they're two different things. I mean, I th- I think it's because they've got this idea in their heads that the Holy Spirit is some sort of mystical, magical ghost or phantasm or something that kind of appears, you know, at least audibly and goes like, go this way or make that decision. <laughs> you know, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. You want to be led by the Spirit? Get into the Word and obey it. Studying, believing, and obeying the words the Holy Spirit inspired is being led by the Spirit. Amen. And finally, extra biblical revelation is unnecessary and unbiblical because it sets up a class system within Christianity. And this one really, uh, I guess, triggers me, Michelle, because um, we've all been impacted by this, you know, why do some people hear from God and others don't? You get the feeling from evangelical celebrities or maybe even from your own friends that God speaks to them because they're a cut above, they're, spiritually speaking. They're special. They're more faithful. They're more favored by God than you are. You know, you probably won't ever hear any of them say that out loud, but that's the message that comes across, like a, a carrot dangling in front of a horse. They want you to keep buying their books, attending their conferences, and following them on social media, and they want you to hope that if you just follow them closely enough and do everything they say, that one day you'll be special enough to hear God speak too. Um, And here's why this just gets so personal. I went to a church years ago where uh, the teenagers got into some some teaching from a, a guy by the name of Henry Blackaby. You may have heard that name. And the teenagers were told, if you're not hearing God's voice speaking directly to you, well, you might want to examine your faith. And uh, so many of those kids did not hear. 
and they felt horrible about it and they ended up giving up. Um, yeah, we, it was it was not good. But what about a Christian who isn't hearing God's voice when it seems like everyone else around her is? You know, does she give up? She starts thinking maybe God isn't pleased with her or maybe she's sinning against God in some way. And she starts obsessing over whether or not she's faithful enough, praying enough or giving enough money in the offering. After a while, she might even think that God doesn't love her, or uh, maybe she's worried that she's not really saved, like what happened to some of those kids. And all of this turns her into a second-class citizen of God's kingdom and causes her to covet something she doesn't have and something that God never promised her. None of this is biblical. There are no first-tier and second-tier Christians, ladies. That's so true, Amy. You know... I've been thinking this whole time we've been talking about this. If you think about it, extra biblical revelation actually causes more problems than it solves. And that always happens when we try to do things our way instead of doing things God's way. And God's way is to speak to us through his written word, not to speak to us audibly, not to speak to us through dreams and visions but to speak to us through his word. Yes. And the more you get into his word, the more you study his word, the more you'll see that that's true. It's just the the Bible is just saturated with the fact that God speaks to us through his word. He does. You know, I, I made the quip a couple of years ago that uh, when I hear God speaking to me, it's because I left my audio Bible on. And uh, <laughs> if you want to hear God speak, yes, absolutely. Uh, listen to an audio Bible. I, I love that. I love waking up in the middle of the night to get up and then oh, there's God speaking to me. But he does that through his word. That's right. Well, that's a wrap for another episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. Don't forget to check the show notes for some great resources and stop by awordfitlyspoken.live to find out to find more links for our social media pages, the podcast archives, our PayPal and Patreon pages, and hey, how to contact us to speak at your next women's event. Until next time, as our friend Justin Peters always says, if you want God to speak to you, read your Bible. If you want him to speak audibly to you, read it out loud. But whatever you do, read it and walk worthy.